that ended really quickly, uh, quicker than I remember it. Hey, it's another Monday night therapy session on Tuesday night because last night we had to watch the national title game, and boy, was that fun. It was just a, it was a fun experience for everyone. I'm sure everybody got a real kick out of that game. Did you get a kick out of the game, Todd? Uh, I, I no, I think TCU got kicked out of that game. Uh, <laughs> the way it looked to me. Uh, I hung in there for the first half, but I also Did have you? to say that, yeah, that even in the second quarter, my attention was uh, not not 100% on what was going on. Um, yeah, that, uh, well, welcome everyone. Um, but no, that game last night was a disaster for a national championship game. It's, it's too bad. Um, you know, one team, one team came out ready to play and one team came out just happy to be there is what it looked like to me. And, uh, there is no question that, um, no question that George is deserving of back-to-back national championships. I, I watched up until that, I think the touchdown in which uh, they went around with the left end with Stetson Bennett and there was nobody there. There was nobody home. And I thought, okay, did, I realize that TCU had an aggressive defense and you could run misdirection and pull their linebackers out of the way, but I, they just, they didn't even, I don't know. It's not, it's not worth spending a lot of time on. I don't think other than being disappointing. Although, although, you know, the best tweet I saw last night. No, tell me what was it? The, the best tweet I saw last night uh, was a guy who tweeted halftime adjustments and it showed a, a jet taking off at the airport, <laughs> flying <laughs> off. And I thought that was, uh, that was, uh, that was it. That was their halftime adjustment is back, back to Fort Worth. <laughs> you know, you look at the stats and it's not like it, it was a complete utter crushing, but well, it is a utter crushing. I mean, four turnovers, three interceptions. Uh, I don't know. Average yards per rush, average yards per play, 8.2 for Georgia, 590, 89 total yards. I mean, you'd expect more than that, but it really just was. I didn't even watch the second half. I, I think I I watched the movie or I watched uh, some series I'm watching that's kind of weird, some, some uh, sci-fi series. Um, and then I tweeted about the pale blue eye. Heidi and I watched the pale blue eye, which is with Christian Bale, and some guy plays Edgar Allan Poe, and it's really well done. And that was what I was thinking about: is wow, this could be. We should might as well be on Twitter talking about movies and stuff. And uh, that's my movie, uh, well, Pale uh, Blue Eye on Netflix. It was really good. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I uh, I spent I had it on in the background. It was I wouldn't even say background noise. I had it had it muted and I was reading a book <laughs> in the second half. And yeah, I felt bad. I was, I was hoping that TCU would show up and I was hoping it'd be, you know, somewhat of an exciting game, but you know, that was pretty much taken care of in the first quarter, you know, uh, 17 points in the first quarter. Uh, it's kind of gloom and doom. So anyway, um, yeah. Um, so well, along with that news, I have other bad news for Nebraska fans. Uh, Micah Muskua, the lineman, the Baylor offensive guard tonight, committed to Florida. So we will not be getting him in on our team to help us run the ball. Uh, we have no word yet on Walter Rouse, the offensive tackle from Stanford. Uh, I don't know. Should we go? We already have people pulling up fullbacks stuff. Uh, should we? Should we go right in the? Did did you? Okay. Nebraska introduced formally their their 2023 kind of like their initial press conference with their both their coordinators got up and talked to people, and Marcus yep. Satterfield said he was going to have a huddle, he was going to run the ball, and he was going to have a fullback. What are you, your response to that, Todd? Well, I saw it. I watched the press conference. I didn't see it live. I watched the tape of the press conference. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's, there's two perspectives as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, the run the damn ball guy, like I am, um, 
you know, I, if this is a commitment to play hard-nosed physical football, great. You know, he also mentioned that there'd be tight, you know, using tight ends and that type of thing. And, um, you know, uh, Georgia did a pretty nice job last night using tight ends, both passing and blocking. You can play, you can play very physical football without a fullback. Now, that's where the sarcastic part of me comes into play a little bit. You know, the more we we uh, hear Matt Rule, the more we read about Matt Rule. Um, you know, I think one of the first things I heard about him is you can tell he's a preacher's son, you know, just by the way he talks and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, he and his coaching staff have done their homework. And if they want to get uh, a high percentage of Nebraska football fans on their side and backing them, all you have to do is say fullback. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden we're drooling. We're drooling. And, uh, you know, uh, who's the most physical football team that we've played against the last few years? I want to say Minnesota. Okay. And I would say Wisconsin, and I would say this last year, um, Illinois. Oh, that's and, true. And how many of them had a fullback? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. So you can play physical punishing football without a fullback. Run the damn thing. And if you have a big guy that can block a little bit, so be it. But um, – you know, there's got to be a reason why a lot of teams have gone away from a fullback. I don't know. You know, that's modern day X's and O's have kind of passed me by. But do you want to know, Todd? Do I want to know what? Why they've gone away from the fullback? Because we're more of a pass happy. Uh, no. Game. No. Everybody went away from the fullback. Why did they do that? You tell me. Okay. Yeah. I Adam Carricker did a. Uh, um, interview with Matt Rule and you know he does a good job with his videos and stuff and I usually pay attention to what he's doing and <laughs> on his Facebook page he has like 70 billion followers and he asked you know what do you guys think about this fullback thing and people just oh they went insane and I, I sent him a message and I said I am going to take some of your fullback your fullback comments off Facebook and turn them into a video and uh, and, and because w there were, there was uh, one guy said, uh, we, the Big Ten has beat us up with a fullback, but nobody in the Big Ten runs a fullback. In fact, Iowa. during, during, they don't either. They yeah, don't. they do. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Not all the time. How long you want to do, how long you want to do this? Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. No, they don't. <laughs> okay. Even Marcus Satterfield in his press conference said that uh, they looked at the personnel groupings from the Big Ten, and most of the time it was 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back. That doesn't mean put a fullback in with the running back. It means one running back. So, you know, like like uh, Tanner Morgan and Moai Ibrahim, uh, Spencer Petrus and Goodson, I, that wasn't even their running back this year. The reason why people have gone away from the fullback is this. Number one, defensive linemen are way bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. So all you're doing by sticking a fullback in the middle of the line and running him forward, because a lot of people are like, well, he could be an extra blocker on short down yardage. Okay, all you're doing is adding another mass shit ton of weight right into the middle of the line. And then you're going to run up against other – the defense has to put a guy to, to match him, so you're just clogging that up. It's easier to just pull a defender out by having another receiver. Secondly, running backs particularly have gotten a lot bigger, stronger, and faster. So the idea that you need a fullback along with a typically – I mean, look at Frank Solich. How big was he? Right. 165 pounds. Now you're looking at guys that are 220, 240, and they run like deer. You don't need fullback. So, you know, technically the whole fullback thing, I get it. It's the concept. We want to run the ball. We want to be physical. Uh, I get it. And, you know, that's really the fullback. It's just gone away because the receivers are faster. The game has moved more toward being able to throw the ball. And uh, I even look at the NFL. He, Satterfield, talked about a pro-style offense. How many teams in the NFL run fullbacks? 
maybe a half a dozen. Yeah, not very many anymore. Not very and, many. You know, that's that's a widespread change well, to football. So you know, and the game has changed too from the perspective that you know in college very few quarterbacks are under center. Um, you know, and so that kind of neutralizes the whole concept of using a fullback. Um, you know, and I'll tell you what. You know, some of my favorite Nebraska football players are fullbacks. I right, mean, you know. Right. If I were to make a list of my top 10 favorite Cornhuskers of all time, well, in my top three is Tom Rathman. I mean, there's no question at all in my mind. He's a top three guy for me. Corey Schlesinger is probably in my top 10. I mean, you had like 3,000 Maca Vickas at one time <laughs> or another, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for, for fullbacks. Um, but like you have said – if you're not going to put your quarterback under center and if you got good solid tight ends and you can spread the field out, um, you know, then you, you, you do somewhat, you know, question the need for a fullback, but boy, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun just to see a couple of those little traps every once in a while? I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, there would be, there would be people having, orgasmic bliss in Memorial <laughs> Stadium if there was a little fullback trap sometime down on the goal line. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Joel Tilson says fullbacks are battering rams to open holes. They, they're kind of not anymore. They're really just adding more. I think they are. If I had to run an offense, here's here's the problem I have with your statement, Joel. A lot of times, if you want to if you want to run a trap play, for example, you have to have guards and and interior linemen and tackles that are capable of doing that stuff. And we really have not seen that in Nebraska. If you've paid attention to our podcast for a while, you'll know that like Haas, when Haas was on there, he, I would always bitch at him about we don't have anybody pulling. So normally if you're running like trap plays or you're going to run counters, or you're going to run that kind of stuff, you want guards and tackles that are capable of pulling across the line. And, you know, it still can be power stuff. But the other thing is, is you, if you want to take the fullback and, and put him on the field, that means you're giving up one other position. And I'm guessing for most of you, that'd be a wide receiver. You know, a really fast wide receiver like Trey Palmer, who could just take over a game by himself. Well, you know, it, it, I'll tell you what. It is, it is hopeful. You know, just by that sentence that he said, you know, huddle tight ends, fullback, you know, one would like to think that we're going to have, um, we're going to have a physical running game as part of our offense. That's, that's exciting to me. I'm sorry. I was distracted. By, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to read this out. Fred Sacco says, I bet our fem former head coach had orgasmic bliss all over Memorial Stadium. It wasn't from running the ball, though, apparently. Uh, what is it? I, you, you, what about running the ball? I mean, what is it with us and running the ball? You think it's just part of our history? I mean, well, I think it's... I, th I think it's I think there's a multitude of reasons. You know, we've 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 dissected offensive line woes and struggles for quite some time. And you know, you go back to you know the the first change in the way that Nebraska went about um, offensive line play was when Bill Callahan came and. Uh, uh, you know, in, in essence, changed from that pipeline mentality of, you know, firing off the ball and, you know, just driving guys eight to 12 yards down the field and that type of uh, blocking to something that was a lot more professional. And, and, you know, Bill Callahan is considered one of the absolute best offensive line coaches in the United States. And he started recruiting a different kind of alignment back then. And, you know, there was a much higher emphasis on, on passing the ball. 
Um, and, and thus you kind of change the mentality of your offensive line. And, you know, from that point on, it, it seemed like we had some good offensive linemen when Callahan was here and there were some decent offensive linemen when Pelini was here. Um, but you know, the, the quality of offensive linemen has, has really dropped, um, you know, in the last 10 years, uh, at least the last 10 years. And that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, being physical is a mentality. It's a mentality. Right. And if we're going to run the ball, then we have to have a lot mentally tougher football players. Now, did you did you listen to the press conference at all? Yeah, uh, I listened to Satterfield, you know, for about 15 minutes. I, I did not hear Tony White, but I, I read a few of the things that he talked about. So what did you think about Satterfield's uh, comments about the huddle? Yeah, I found that kind of interesting. Um, you know, the huddle, uh, that's, that's code for, you know, slowing down the football game. Uh, the huddle would mean we're going to, you know, place a higher emphasis on ball control. Um, you know, it, it takes away kind of that mentality of, um, expecting to score 45 points a game. Now, you know, obviously you can, you can score a hell of a lot of points when you work from the huddle, but, um, you know, I, when, when the previous head coach was here, did we ever get to that warp speed level that he talked about how, you know, did the team ever play that fast? I, I don't know, but you know, the college game really has moved to, you know, wanting to run, 85, 90 plays a game. And um, if you're going to huddle up, you're going to drop down to 55 to 65 plays a game, which would indicate, you know, that's more of a ball control kind of an approach to play in the game. Okay. Let, you know what? Let's, uh, let's take a couple. Matt Hansen says, I just want Nebraska to look competent again and not be like a dumpster fire. Absolutely. I Absolutely. Think everybody, everybody would agree with that, man. You, that guy should run for an office or something. Uh, David Matney, living in Omaha, said, how long do you think it will take our offensive line to turn around? The, the, what I would say about our offensive line, and, John, you know, you pay a lot more attention to this than I do, um, but – from, from my perspective, you know, they're bringing in, you know, some uh, portal transfers. Um, the offensive line has a number of players returning that are going to be another year older, and they will have had three years of football at the Division One level under their belt. And just simply from that experience, they should be better. Now, keeping Donovan Rayola around – is going to be key in the development of those guys that are coming back. Um, you know, yeah, maybe in a perfect world, you know, they could find five players in the portal to come in that are better at every position than the guys coming back, but that's not, that's not reality. You know, we've got some decent guys that have shown the ability to play at a decent level every once in a while, but the lack of consistency and, um, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, I would say, um, you know, people, you know, who watch this show and make comments and listen to other people have convinced me, we've got to change the, the strength and conditioning program and, and just being confident, you know, having a confident, positive mindset and, and that mental toughness that we've talked about. And, you know, that's going to be the job of the new coaching staff. I would say a year at least. I think it's just going to take, uh, you know, I mean, okay, Sal, uh, I'm sorry, I lost his name. Sal Savala asked, has there been any announcement of that recruit that was supposed to announce where he's going tonight? Uh, yes, uh, Micah Mezcua decided he was going to Florida, and we just don't need him. The hell with that guy. <laughs> But uh, there's still a chance for Walter Rouse, the tackle from Stanford. But I think it'll, I, I think realistically it'll take a year before we get the guys into the strength program, we get them into the position they, they really want to be. And I say that largely because, uh, 
I don't want to set my expectations real high. <laughs> well, I hope the offensive line. I hope the offensive line plays significantly better next year than they played this year, and they should. They should across the board play better than they did last year. Okay, let's. Uh, I did that. One. But is that at a dominating level? No, it's going to be another year or two. Here's here's an interesting thing from David Matney again. Do you think the huddle will decrease all of the false starts of the Scott Frost era? I said his name. Uh, you know, I think that it'll. I think when you can huddle and you can kind of calm people down. I mean, uh, Marcus Satterfield talked about leadership moments for the quarterback and being in a huddle and all the great moments that come out of huddles. You know, and and remembering how you. We're going to high-low a guy in high school football, and you planned that out with your tackle and stuff. And um, <laughs> But I think that, you know, a huddle can take people and get them into a situation where they can calm themselves down, and they can kind of get together and go, okay, let's get our shit together, and let's just be together, um, maybe do a mantra, some meditation for 10 seconds, and then go back out and start playing again. So... I, I, you know, I think that's just a matter of focus and discipline, and a huddle can be a point at which you refocus yourself for just a few seconds after every play. I think so. I think there is something to that, and you know, when I think there are a lot of times when that team is moving so fast, you know, I guess on the on the flip side of it, you can say, well, you got to put it behind you. You got to put it behind you. Um, you know, whatever happened on the last play, it's over. Let's move on. But yeah, I think sometimes guys just need to be able to to, you know, have a few seconds to get their head cleared, you know, and so they can focus on what the next, what the next task is. So, you know, I got no problem with them going back to a huddle. And as Satterfield said, it gives a, it gives a quarterback an opportunity to become a leader, to take charge in the huddle, you know, and that type of thing. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, every movie that you ever watched about football always had some kind of a scene of the quarterback in the huddle chewing people's ass or giving them some kind of a little pep talk, you know, at the penultimate point right. of the of the game, you know. So That's true. Okay, Fred Sacco is serious. He says, in all seriousness, I think we just cling to the fullback and the running the ball because it harkens back to 60 and 3, 60 wins, 3 losses over five years. It's safe and familiar. This is true. That's a very good point, Fred. Uh, and I, I believe that too. I mean, whenever, whenever you want to, you know, I mean, you do go back to what's familiar, what you're comfortable with when you want to feel well and when you want to do well. Here's an update. Oh, my God, I'm, ha I'm having a hair disaster here. Uh, <laughs> here's an update. Nebraska is playing Illinois tonight, and it's kind of a big game because if a Nebraska could win this, they could jump up in the Big Ten standings which are, quite frankly, a mess. But right now it's 14-7 to 7, Illinois. Nebraska is shooting 17% from the field uh, for 2 for 13. And, oh, now it dropped down to 15%. But uh, it's not a good start for Nebraska. We'll see if they can stick around and pull it out. James Marshall, we're going to move to the defense, Todd. James Marshall comes up with, are the proponents of the 3-3-5 still confident? And I think he had another one that I was going to follow that up with, but uh, I'm really slow. James Marshall also said, Georgia plays like a big team, 10 team, and they destroyed the TCU 3-3-5 defense. Todd, respond to that man. I like one striker up front. And when you have one striker up front and you have really <laughs> solid midfielders, and you're running like a one-five-four-one. I think that that puts you in the best position to score goals. Now, if you want to go with a one-three-three-two-one, then you better have two really good wings on the outside that can feed the ball to the middle. James, no disrespect, <laughs> I could give a rat's ass whether it's three-three-five, four-two-seven. 182362 hike 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 <laughs> you know when you talk about a, a, an offense or defense you know generally speaking we you know you look at an odd front or an even front very rarely is an offense that is identified as a 335 in the big 10 very rarely are they only going to be three down three linemen on the on the line of scrimmage 
More often than not, they're going to slide one over into the other gaps and they'll pull up a rush in right up on the line of scrimmage or else they're going to find another way to have an even front, whatever it is, depending upon the circumstances. You know, now, James, you're right. A lot of times, whether you're going to run predominantly an odd front or an even front, that kind of determines the kind of personnel that you're going to recruit. And the way I've always been told and have understood it is that, you know, if you're going to run an odd front, you're going to have to have a man child in the middle anchoring that defense that on every play is going to at least, you know, eat up two blockers. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, if you can recruit and get those kinds of people in there, you know, you're probably going to have more success with an odd front if you can't. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of teams play with more of an even front than, than what it is. But, you know, again, I'm not trying to downplay it, but, um, I really don't care if it's a three, three, five or a, or a four, two, you know, uh, or, or whatever, four, three, throw three, four or whatever. Um, another down lineman would have helped the cause for TCU perhaps, but, you know, I think that the, the mark of a true off, a, a true defensive coordinator is to play to the strengths of your, of the, the players that you have. And I think that Tony White even said something about that as well. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, where he says, we look at our personnel and we'll play to the strengths of the people that we have. So I, I, I think Todd said it best when we started the show about, you know, do it. Would another down lineman have helped TCU? No, I don't think anything they would have done and schematically would have helped them. I think they just, like Todd Shedd said, they showed up and they, they were like glad to be there. And then they came out and Georgia was, uh, you know what? Georgia was ready to go. And by God, we're going to play something for you. We're going to not play the whole thing, but we're going to play a few seconds of the Kirby Smart pregame speech. And so you know, this is not safe for work. Uh, it's not safe for children, but here it goes. This is Kirby Smart before the game. Trust your weapon. Your ass is prepared for this shit for fucking 365 days. I think about them fuckers in that locker room. Think about getting our opportunity. All the shit you went through this week to get ready for this game, now is when you pay the fucking price. You go out there with energy, enthusiasm. Hey, now, ain't nobody in this room should be cautious. Ain't nobody in this room should be nervous about shit. Go out of here and fuck their ass up. Go yeah. think Okay. And, and there's more of that where he says, don't be laying on the ground. Don't be getting on the ground. You got it's it's a bunch of effing stuff. And I just think that I, Georgia was way more prepared for that game. And if you look at TCU, I mean, you look at TCU against Michigan. It's kind of unfortunate that Michigan didn't win that game, but they didn't. You know, they threw two pick sixes and they got one butt ruled down on the one foot line. And they, I think what it showed in this playoff is that you need luck sometimes just to I, 1997 with the flea kicker, you know, uh, you need luck too. So I don't, I don't really think that game was, I think it, what surprised me is this about watching the national title game for as long as I did. When I look at football, I focus a lot more on the mental aspects of it and the organizational aspects of it than I do like uh, we're running this or we're running these plays or we're running this scheme. I think that Georgia was ready. TCU wasn't. It wouldn't matter what scheme TCU ran, they would have gotten destroyed. Uh, Georgia yep. has, has really, really, really good players. And I mean, you need really good players. But I guess TCU got there. And they fought their way there. It was just unfortunate that, we, you know, when we wanted to watch them play well and do well, and I think most of the nation was uh, for TCU, they just didn't show up. And I don't think it really had a lot to do with uh, maybe not the players on the field, but what they were trying to do as much. I mean, you watched a few of the Georgia plays. They ran misdirection plays, and the TCU linebackers ran themselves completely out of the plays. And it was just... Uh, I don't know. At that point, I just stopped watching. Yeah, I, I think I think going into that game and something, you know, I think that 
obviously TCU knew that they were going to have their hands full. They made some decisions that when they were on de defense, they were going to they were going to take risks, you know, to try to slow Georgia down and create turnovers. And you know, Georgia had an answer for that, and TCU just couldn't respond. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you, John. I don't think anything schematically different would have changed things last night. And you know, Georgia. You know, we had a, a comment over here, you know, that I saw fly by about recruiting. You know, no one's recruited uh, any better than what Georgia has over the last few years. Um, you know, they're always in the top two or three in the recruiting rankings. And, you know, this looking at Georgia the last couple of years, you know, that reminded me what we were seeing when Alabama, you know, was dominating a few years before that. You know, they, they are – they are running athletes out there that um, other teams could only have, you know, could only hope, you know, that they could get one or two. Um, but yeah. my, my opinion, you know, just the last thing I'll say about last night is TCU plays Georgia 10 times. They don't beat them. They don't beat them. <laughs> wow. No, I, once, I don't think. You once? No. Is Stetson Bennett on a mission? Well, Stetson Bennett, you know, kudos to him. He came out of nowhere, won two back-to-back -back national championships. They didn't yeah, even want him. They 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 tried every way in the world that they could uh, replace him last year, and all he's done is win two natties. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Tony White. I need to say his name repeatedly because I keep wanting to call him Tony Shaw, after Tommy Shaw. Was like the lead guy in sticks. I don't know why I get these names screwed up, but it's Tony White. He did talk about when he did his part of the press conference. He did talk about how they mix up the the alignments and they're going to play to whatever the scheme is going to be about whatever the players are that they have to play, you know. And somebody asked him which which um, position group he would like to have more of, and he said any defensive coach would always say defensive lineman because there's never enough of them. And that's, that's the thing about them. I mean, when I talked earlier about the fullback and how much bigger and stronger guys have gotten, I, I look at Indomitian Sue. All right? That's a guy That's a guy that literally can, can probably run down any quarterback in the NFL. And that's freaky. That's freaky athleticism. You know, that didn't exist when, in the 80s. I don't think that you couldn't name an offensive lineman that was that fast. And you're seeing more and more of those guys come around, but they're still like worth their weight beyond worth their weight in gold. So, um, I, you know, the three, five, five, I guess we're probably going to come. I think I've said this last year when we were talking about the three, four, we're going to get beat up in the three, four. Okay. Well, we're going to come out and run whatever we, we need to, to win the game. You're going to play extra linemen. You're going to mix stuff up, and it's, you know, it's probably going to change from game to game. Uh, Fred Sacco has to contradict me and say Reggie White was pretty fast. Well, he was. <laughs> he was an outlier. I mean, Sue's kind of an outlier, too. But there's, you know, I mean, when you watch the NFL, and I don't know how many of you guys watch the NFL. I, I, I enjoy the NFL more than I ever have because the offenses are way more fun than they used to be. Uh, not everybody runs the same shitty West Coast type offense with a fullback, by the way. They all run this kind of wild stuff in the quarterbacks. I mean, look at Mahomes. Um, come on, the guy from the Bills. Allen. Jared yeah, Allen. Josh Allen. Josh, Josh Allen. And Josh those guys Allen. are way more fun than they've ever been, I think, at uh, quarterbacks. So My favorite part of watching the NFL is when Kansas City has the ball inside the red zone. And especially when they have the ball inside the 10 yard line, it's like they must spend a day every week designing trick plays and that kind of stuff. I mean, they should, they throw some of the, what did you see him last week where the huddle, the guys in the huddle were spinning in a yes. circle and then they broke from the circle straight to the line of scrimmage, snapped the ball and they were all going all these different directions. I mean, that's just, I love that stuff. Okay, uh, it's 22 to 15 Illinois leading, but Nebraska's field goal percentage has come up to 32%. They're now 6 of 19. Uh, I don't know, we'll just keep track of it where they're going. 
Okay, let's try this one, Todd. <clears throat> Tony Washlin, why, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Who would Nebraska fans rather beat, Colorado or Minnesota? If you had to pick one, Todd, which one would you pick? Well, I want them to beat Colorado because that's their second game of the season. <laughs> if they get beat by Colorado, that's not a real good start. Um, let's beat let's beat Colorado and then worry about Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I would rather beat Colorado. Did you find it interesting? You know, because we kind of talked about this. Um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but you know, um, now we're playing. Uh, Deion Sanders put another game uh, at the in zero week. So it will actually be playing playing Colorado for their third game. In, really? Instead, yeah, yeah. He they've scheduled Arizona State in in week zero, so they're going to have two games under their belt before we play them. Uh, well, I'd rather beat Minnesota just because I live here and uh, it's a conference game. Like Matt Hansen points out, I have to put up all these freaking Minnesota peoples, including my own yeah. rotten son. It's, so, that's a tough call. I'm just, yeah, I don't want to start the season with a loss to Colorado. MK, uh, it says, does recruiting matter after last night? It seems like it really does. Yep. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's talk about that for a minute, Todd. Because, I mean, Georgia, you look at the recruiting, uh I mean, all the times you get George Alabama up there at the top. Texas A&M had a top-ranked class, and they failed completely. Uh, but the Sonny Dykes at TCU did not have much of anything, and he still made the national title game. So how do you explain that, Mr. Guy, who thinks recruiting matters? <laughs> Sonny, Sonny Dykes did a hell of a job recruiting guys out of the portal. Timeout. I'm calling a timeout. What? Timeout. I need to amend my answer. I'm reading the comments over here, and I'm a bonehead. Yes, I'd rather beat Minnesota because it's the first game of the season next year. I forgot they put Minnesota the first game of the season. So, yes, beat Minnesota. Yes, Mr. Hansen, I agree. It's a conference game. Momentary brain fart. How about that? Okay, that's what I'll blame it on. Uh, Dion, I hope I'm getting this right. Dion Pryor says game day will be at the Colorado game with the announcers heads up Sanders ass. That's probably going to true. They are going to fawn over him a lot. I hope we can kill them. I hope we crush them into the ground. But, uh, with, with regards to opponents, have you been noticing what's going on at Wisconsin, Todd? Well, um, yeah, you know, they're going <laughs> to, they're talking air raid offense up there. Um, you know, I, I, it will be interesting to see. Luke Fickle's a good coach. You know, he's a good coach, and he's going to recruit well. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a transition they go, they go through up there. They have picked up, I think, two four-star quarterbacks, and they picked up a four-star running back, like, uh, I think, today or yesterday. So, it's going to get interesting. I, you know, I don't really see any movement. Um, I really haven't seen any great news out of Iowa. And who else am I missing? Wisconsin, North, or Minnesota is losing coaches left and right to other teams. They lost their offensive coordinator, who's now left for the second time, which is kind of interesting. Shiraka or something like that. I, uh, all right. What what else did we have on our list? First of all, please subscribe to our channel if you don't. Like this video if you're on YouTube. Well, like it on Facebook too uh, because it helps us with the algorithms and we all have to live our lives by algorithms these days. Uh, I am jumping in a lake, a frozen lake on January 28th uh, and I'm already planning for it because I'm getting really hot and I'm, I'm, just, I'm shedding clothing right in front of you. <sighs> But I well, am jumping at a lake January 28th. It's a fundraiser for the Minnesota Special Olympics. Uh, I will post the link in the show notes on YouTube and on Facebook. Let's see what else we got going. We have on our list. You wrote well, down, Todd. 
do you want to go ahead? Yeah, you know, the, we, we've been talking about coaching, and, you know, I understand that some of this, there's been a little bit of gap since this happened. But, you know, technically, um, the last three coaches that have been hired, and I know one of them is Dvorak and the other one's McGuire, and I'm trying to think who the other one, who the other one is. But technically, they have not officially, you know, become – members of the coaching staff. They've announced that they're going to be there, but, you know, they haven't, paperwork's not signed and I's dotted, T's crossed. But, you know, one of them that has stirred up, you know, quite a bit of conversation is the wide receiver coach is Garrett McGuire. And, um, you know, Garrett McGuire is 23 years old. He's actually going to coach a player that he used to throw passes to in high school as a, a wide receiver, a player that's coming up from Baylor. Um, you know, and, and there's been a lot of criticism, or there was a lot of criticism about, you know, Matt Rule hiring somebody, A, that young. You know, why, why isn't he hiring more experienced coaches? But more importantly, you know, the criticism of all he's doing is hiring his buddies. And, you know, again, this is not a new conversation, but I just – I guess I wanted to bring it back up is that a you know if if you're the if you're the leader if you're the CEO um, and you're putting together a staff you want to hire high quality people but you also want to hire people that you're comfortable with and um, you know I think it's important that um, we we recognize that I don't think Matt Rule you know we're trusting him to turn this football program around and. Um, you know, we've got to trust that, you know, he's going to do it the right way and he's going to do it effectively, but we can't tell him how to do it. You know, we've hired him to do it. So, you know, the criticism that's out there about hiring, you know, his buddies or hiring, you know, he's only hiring people that uh, he's worked with in the past. Well, you know, if they're good quality coaches and he's got faith in them and they're all pulling the rope in the same direction, then I, I've got absolutely no problem with that. He's 23 years old. What was I doing when I was 23, Todd? You were still a sophomore in college. <laughs> I took a three red shirt years in college. <laughs> My God, I enjoyed every bit of it. I spent yeah. seven years cramming a four-year degree in because I worked my ass off in college. On the other hand, I took classes in pretty much just about every college. Uh, hey, M. Gabowski has joined us. You're a and renaissance man. Renaissance man, John. M. Gabowski says, who has more wins next year, Matt Rule at Nebraska or Jim Harbaugh at the Denver Broncos? You going to pick one? Matt Rule. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would, would Jim Harbaugh, why would anybody take the Denver Broncos job? I get it why people would take that job, but you're going to deal with a broken Russell Wilson, and you got to play against Patrick Mahomes for God's sakes. He's young; he's going to and be there for the a Herbert while. kid out at San Diego. I mean, that's a tough. Yeah, one. yeah. I don't. I I would say it's it's it would be Matt Rule, at Jim Harbaugh, M. Gaboski. What have you heard? Is there anything concrete to Jim leaving, uh, leaving Michigan, because? You know he's in trouble for lying about a burger, Todd. Yeah, I know the 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 horrible sin of buying a burger and lying about it. Yes, it's a, it's, what the hell? It. You know, uh, I, I've heard that Harbaugh has interviewed for the Broncos, and I've heard he's interviewed for the Carolina Panthers. I've not heard, and maybe I've just missed it. I've not heard that he's interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts. Um. So. I think Harbaugh's gone, and, you know, I, it is what it is. A um, couple of questions or comments here about Lee Corso. I didn't see him last night. I didn't watch any of the pregame. But I know that he's – and, uh, you know, I don't know that I ever watched his predictions. I don't think I ever saw him give his prediction this year. I hardly watched game day all year. But, you know, as, as Joel mentions, he's 87 years old. Um, Lee Corso, he's he's an 87-year-old man, and um, I'm sure that probably he enjoys being out there, but I think ESPN's exploiting him. And it, it would have been – they had an opportunity, I think, last night to let him walk off into the sunset and let him retire. Um, but I, I, I hate to see people 
go beyond that point where they have the capacity to do the job. It's sad. Uh, okay, well, yeah, I picked out some more. Rick says, my father is a Nebraska World War II vet and will have his 98th birthday this week. Happy birthday to Rick's father. That's Thank awesome. Thank you for your service. Greatest generation. We're, we're losing them. We're, yeah. We don't have many more of them left. Lloyd M. Christmas says, John, when do you think, if ever, they will put restrictions on the effed up mess we call the transfer portal? Well, let's think about this not from a college football standpoint, from, but from a legal standpoint. Can they do that? Can they do that without it being like some kind of collusion or some kind of, you know, not collusion, but come on, racketeering, you know, any control and monopoly? I don't know. It just seems like why aren't they doing anything about this? I think right now the NCAA feels like they don't have any power. I mean, honest to God, the strongest move they have had lately is getting again going after Jim Jim Harbaugh at Michigan for lying about a burger. We have rampant shit going on all over the place, and they're not doing anything. Why? Worried about a burger rather than all this. Yeah, I think well, it's because they can legally do stuff about the burger. They can't do anything about the rest of this stuff. Well, so, I don't know that that's true because I think, you know, the question is when. I, I don't know when, but I think they will. And I, I think they will because, you know, right now you've got the de facto NCAA president, Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, he's bellyaching now about getting rid of the early signing date. Said that's not fair to the teams that are still competing in bowl games in the playoffs. And I agree with that. You know, push everything back to February. Maybe maybe it is important. You know, why would that be illegal? Why would that be something that people would, would you know, think that they could take action about. And you could do the same, you know, virtually do the same thing with the portal. If they if they were to, they could tighten up the timing of the portal and, and, and you know, I, I think they could do that no problem. Okay, uh, Blaine Cole from Japan says, seven years of college, John Johnston, MD. I don't think anybody ever would ever want me to be their doctor. <laughs> I would be a nice guy, like, let's say, 27 days out of the week, but the other three or four, uh, 27 days out of a month, but the other three or four days, they would just, I would probably, I wouldn't want to say I'd just kill people, but I would be a, just a terrible person. This is why I work in IT. I work on machines, for God's sakes. They don't, this morning, I was in a Zoom call with one of my customers, and he said, I can't put you on speaker phone because all you're going to do is swear at me. And I said, I will stop swearing for 10 minutes if you put me on a speakerphone so I can got, talk to this other guy next to you. So I had to force myself to not swear up my own customer for 10 minutes. I don't, there, there would have been no, maybe doctor of love. How about that? Uh, or Blaine, again, or <laughs> John, 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 you're misinterpreting. It, John Johnson, massive dick. And you have to admit <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Have to admit what, Todd? I'm, I'm not going any further. Yeah, okay. Okay, James Marshall comes back with, would Ohio State have scored 80 on the TCU defense that showed last night? If You know what? If they wouldn't have prepared, I would have guessed that, yeah, Ohio State with the receivers and C.J. Stroud would have absolutely shredded TCU the same way. I mean, they would have just torn them off. That, that's kind of the shame of it is that, you know, the really the national title game was Georgia-Ohio State. Oh, excuse me, which was an excellent game. Uh, let's see if we can pick up some other ones. Somebody said something about the NFL. Dion Pryor comes back and says this. Wait, we're at 50 minutes. We got 10 minutes left. By the way, 10 is the magic number here because... Well, Nebraska's down seven. They were down 10. 30 to 23, 159 left in the first half. Deion Pryor says, if the NFL has control, we can get the NCAA to have control. Mm, no. That whole structure. See, the, the NFL has control because there's gobs of billionaires with so much money, they can do whatever they want. Uh, and as an example of that, I offer you, uh, who is a Dan Snyder who owns the Washington team? That guy should not be an NFL owner. 
but nobody gets rid of him. And they can do just about every, whatever they want. Uh, the NCAA cannot control public universities. And look at the universities that they have to deal with. All of those universities are run differently. They're subject to their own state laws. They're, and some of them are private. They don't have to report. There's no, no uniform method for even for universities to like report how much they're paying their coaches or how much they're paying whatever or how they track their expenses or things like that. So the NCAA well, is a way, way crazier than the NFL is. And there's there's another factor, not to dig too deep into this because I'll be out of my level of knowledge real fast, but the NCAA actually has very little say over Division One football. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't. The NCAA – you know, yes, there are some um, because you're a member of university on you know, the eligibility and some of those kinds of things. They have authority over that. But quite honestly, you know, um, there are other organizations that have a lot more control over what is happening at Division One football in terms of the money and a lot of those types of things than the NCAA does. The NCAA is a very ineffective organization, especially when it comes uh, to Division One football. I glanced over to look at the score real quick. I, I picked that one. Let's do this one. Todd, read that. Has anyone at the university approached Todd to help prototype the new old mascot? There may be some resemblance with the right hat and overalls. Um, I do own a pair of overalls. Um, I have various hats. Uh, I don't know that when – if you were to see my body um, – you, you would not want I, – I, I'm built more like the Philly fanatic than I am Herbie the Husker. So, you know, I'm not sure that I would be – I'm not sure that I'd be the best. <laughs> hey, Bruce Davis says, John, John, massive dick. There you go. See what you started, Todd? <laughs> okay. Uh, Lloyd M. Christmas says, John, you forgot to mention my profile pick, which is an Ewok, which is, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of uh, Matt Rulish. Dion Pryor comes back and he says, so college football is ruined. You know, here's the thing. I, I don't think it's ruined. I think it's just changing. And, and let's college football over the years has gone through massive disruptions and massive change throughout its history. I mean, if you go all the way back to, I've been working on a video about 1890. I've also looked at, you know, I've studied a lot of college football history. You looked at the changes from 1890 to, let's say, 1910. Just massive changes in college football how, about how the game was played, the rules, the forward pass, uh, the people dying playing football. And then you move that all the way up to stuff that's changed its structure before. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but they put in an 85 scholarship limit and everybody went insane over that. You know, we used to go to freshman football games when I was in college every once in a while. They don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, 1982 or 1983 was a landmark TV lawsuit where now teams could control their own TV appearances and their own money. And that gave Notre Dame all the money in the world. I mean, this it's gone through so many changes that this is, I think, just one more change. And I think in a few years we'll see that, like, the nil stuff will straighten itself out and the portal stuff will straighten itself out. I mean... Like right now, we have so many kids going into the portal, and they're not getting homes. They're not finding a place to go. And I think at some point, that'll level out to where to young men go, uh, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea to just stick my name in the portal and see what happens. I, I don't know. You got any take on that, Todd? Yeah, I, I you know, there's, there's so much money. And, you know, Rick, who just threw a comment – up here is definitely changing. The head coach must be a good CEO of a hundred million dollar corporation. At that, it is. At, college football is no longer a sport played by college students. College football is a business, an industry, you know, um, played by semi professionals. You know, um, it, it it's not the same as it was. 10 years ago, it's not the same as it was 
you know, definitely, you know, it was back when we were in school. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. There, there's, I still love watching the game. The game is still, still beautiful to watch. Um, but there's, I, I, I think, I think like all things, you know, uh, when, when, when things get, when there's an excessive amount of money to be had, it, it invites corruption. It invites greed. It invites a lot of negatives. And I think that that has happened with college, college football. It's halftime. Illinois leads 34 to 23. Uh, they got a lot more foul shots than we did. They were 10 of 16 from the line. Nebraska was three of seven. So yeah, one thing I hate, a bit, you remember Kofi Cockburn? I couldn't stand that guy. He was, he was Illinois' big, huge guy last, last year. I, he's no longer with them, but I just I hate Illinois basketball. It's funny how much hate I can have in the Big Ten. And yeah, you really, can. I just, yeah, you know, and that's 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 a conversation that we could probably end on tonight. You know, uh, somebody I'd, I'd seen something today about. Um, I think it was on our Slack, and people were talking about you know the SEC chant and how you know they're all for one, one for all, that kind of a mentality, and and. Uh, um, you know, I think somebody who is saying, you know, it, it sucks that, you know, a shitty football team, just because they're part of the SEC, you know, thinks that they're just a little bit better than anybody else from other conferences because they're in the SEC. You know, I, I don't get it. Um, I have never been in the mentality that I'm going to cheer for a Big Ten team against somebody else just because they're Big Ten. Um, I have never cheered for the Iowa Hawkeyes to win a football game ever, and I never will. Um, I was cheering for TCU like a, like a banshee when they played Michigan. I was, you know, uh, I was cheering for Ohio State against Georgia because I was really hoping somebody would knock an SEC team out. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's real, really interesting. And, you know, I, I don't know. I will admit that I, I do cheer for the uh, I do cheer for the Big Ten probably more, although not Iowa, not never Iowa. I probably wouldn't cheer for Indiana, which is kind of odd because nobody hates Indiana football except for Nebraska, and yeah. we really just base that off just a few things that happened between uh, our former coach and Tom Allen, which is kind of bizarre, kind of bizarre. Uh, Minnesota, though, I'm kind of bound to cheer for because uh, you know if I don't then. It's too much hostility in the household. Uh, I was going to say something else. Come on. Michigan and Ohio State, I wanted them to win their playoff games because I wanted, I wanted, Ohio say, State yeah, I wanted Michigan and Ohio State for a national title game so we could watch one of those fan bases go completely batshit insane <laughs> and, then, and then make fun of the SEC people because they weren't in it. That sure as hell didn't happen. By the way, I did miss one point of news. Nebraska picked up a portal transfer wide receiver Billy Kemp from Virginia. Uh, he did put up, he has played a lot of football and he has put up a fair amount of numbers for Virginia. So it, now, if you go out and you look at the last year, 2022, he did not have very good numbers. He was sick or he was, had problems early in the year with his health. And then Virginia's football season was cut short because. Uh, they canceled the end of their schedule because three of their players were murdered by a former teammate, if you remember, with, in a horrible, horrible incident. Um, let's see, it's 34 to 23 at the half. Illinois is leading. We really would like Nebraska to win this game so they can jump up in the Big Ten standings and uh, we can shock everybody because I'm sure it's irritating for other. Speaking of Big Ten hate, it would be very irritating for other teams if we actually started being good at basketball because we could make fun of them. And they would feel bad about losing to Nebraska like on their home court like Minnesota did uh, this last Saturday. Uh, well, you know what? We're, gonna, we're, at, we're at our hour that we try to stick to. Uh, Beetle B, I think we missed stuff from you. But it says we need more playoff teams. I think, Todd, well, can we, should we talk about expansion next week? Yeah, let's talk about an extension. We'll, we'll you know what? That down. We talked about homework. That's going to be that's going to be homework for our followers. We're gonna we're gonna talk about you know the the pros and cons of the twelve team playoff. 
And, um, you know, is, is 12, is 12 the right number? Um, you know, I was explaining it to my wife last week and she says, well, 12, that's really stupid. Why don't they just have 16? Um, and maybe some of you are aware, and again, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I tend to pay attention, you know, during March and March Madness, um, you know, and um, playing I'll talk World Cup expansion, you betcha. But um, there's an NCAA committee that has come out and recommended that they have 90, 90 teams invited <laughs> to the NCAA basketball tournament. Yes, 90 teams. That would be 25% of of uh, teams in Division One would would make um, would make the playoffs would make the tournament. So anyway, you guys out there listening, you guys and gals that are listening, we're going to talk playoff and playoff expansion and and kind of dig into that. Um, if we do run out of time, Blaine, we can talk World Cup expansion. <laughs> I think that's a mistake um, myself, but. I put it down in the in the notes for, you know, we, we actually, uh, John, Don Dre says, John, you should have an all-nighter. Oh, my God. Uh, no. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Hold on just a minute. Don Dre, does, Don Dre, are you from Omaha? Did you wrestle at Omaha West, at Westside, for Westside Wrestling Club? Westside Y, Don Dre? Or are you a different Don Dre? Maybe Don's left. <laughs> well, maybe he'll be back. You can always go on Facebook and find the thing and ask him directly in the comments on Facebook. I could do that. I yeah. Do that. So there you go. All right. Sure. We're going to go away now. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for all your support. Uh, like the video. Uh, like stuff. Like everything. Why the hell not? You know, uh, Don Dre comes back and says, I did. Wow. Don Dre, I wrestled you when we were kids. Oh, my God. How do you remember this? I just do. Matt Hansen says, I miss seeing your dog, John. You know, I tried to get her to jump up on the bed, and she's not She's not being cooperative. Oh, heck. So, heck. okay. Good night, Todd. Hey, good night, John. See you.